welcome to episode 95 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. My name is Dr. Richard McKinnon, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Pilar Orti. Pilar, how are you doing? I am very well, very well. And uh, today I'm in another country. So hello from over the pond. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Our um, our way of working means we do not have to be uh, in the same office, the same building, or even the same country. It's brilliant. Yes, thank you, everyone who's uh, developed technology in the last however many years to make this possible. <laughs> and we, we we may have passed each other in the air. I've just come back from Spain and you're actually in Spain. Yes, yes, that's also funny, yeah. Lovely. So this is the final episode in our series all about coaching. Yes, it's the sixth and final episode for the series. And, uh, well, since episode 90, isn't it, Richard? We've been looking at the essentials of coaching and the pitfalls to avoid. Then we've looked very specifically at how coaching can help with well-being, productivity, and effectiveness. So, listeners, if you're just joining us for the first time ever, I encourage you to go back at some point. Listen to this one first, because <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's a standalone as well. Um, and we've, hinted at the episode or uh, sorry the topic of today's episode in the last episode Richard so what is it that we are exploring today with the listeners yeah I, I totally gave the game away didn't I so <laughs> this this time we are looking at the role of managers when it comes to coaching and answering the question can a manager also be a coach um, and I think I, I said last time the answer is yes, but maybe let's elaborate this time and talk about that in a little bit more detail. But when it comes to managers' involvement in their direct reports coaching, um, the way I, I normally will encounter that is um, their involvement as in their input at the very start of the coaching process so they can provide some context and feedback. And we, we may often have a, a tripartite or, or three-way conversation uh, about that. Uh, I encourage them to give reinforcement and encouragement along the coaching journey. And of course, they can give feedback at the other end of the coaching journey uh, about what they've observed and the differences they've seen. And, you know, it's an important relationship, right? The manager and the direct report. So it's, it's really useful useful for them to have uh, some level of, of involvement there. But really, what we're here to talk about today is the fact that managers can themselves coach their direct reports. And um, it's, a, it's a bit of a topic that, that, that's sometimes misunderstood and uh, mixed up or conflated with other things that managers do. So I thought we could bring a bit of clarity to that today. That's really interesting. And I know it's not what we're touching today, but I, I hadn't thought of, of course, the that there is an involvement when, for example, you are working with someone in an organization, the how much the manager is involved. And this is such a good, uh, good uh, three things, the input reinforcement and then the feedback. I think that's another useful tool for the coachee. It, it can be great to get that other perspective on the why for the coaching, um, but also as uh, if, you know, we've talked about how when we try new things, it can be uncomfortable when we're experimenting with new ways of being uh, at work. And it can be so useful for someone who either shares a space or is in con uh, constant contact with them to give them that nod, that smile, that well done, that I notice you're trying and that's mm. great. So they're not in a, in a vacuum. And uh, that can make all the difference if it's possible. And it's yeah. not always possible. Yeah. 
Okay, so going back then to the how a manager can use coaching or can coach, let's just go to your involvement. So you are an external coach when you work in companies. So what is your involvement uh, with helping, I suppose, with supporting managers use coaching or decide whether coaching or uh, uh, integrate a coaching approach? How how do you how do you work with them? All of the above, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So. Primarily, I'll be in an organization working using my coaching skills as a psychologist. But of course, another um, big element of what I do is equipping managers with coaching skills. And, you know, the first thing that occurs to everyone is, well, aren't you making yourself redundant? You know, mm. aren't you doing yourself out of work? And really, my coaching ethos is the sooner I can make myself redundant and replaced by people who can do this internally, the better really. Um, so I'll spend um, time, um, I have several coaching skills courses that I can run for teams. Um, it's great to work with leaders and, and senior managers to give them these skills and um, watch over the, the time. You know, most recently it's being done remotely, so that's a different kind of a challenge, but watch them over time as they start to use these skills and notice the difference that it makes in their interactions and notice the, the role modeling that they're doing can me make it easier for their direct reports in turn to start adopting a, a coaching perspective or a coaching stance with their own direct reports. Um, so, you know, letting them understand the role that coaching can play in, in development, in performance, um, how really how easy it is to start on that journey. And I suppose that's one of the big obstacles um, helping people understand that it, this is a, a basket of skills and you can develop these skills over time. It's not an identity that you mm. step into. You know, you don't go into the phone box and come out like Superman. It's more, let me try these different things. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit later about the, the challenges that managers face. But really, this is about introducing how coaching is different to, say, mentoring and how coaching is different to being you know, managing or performance management and, and giving them some tools for the toolkit so that they can start to see the difference this makes in their, in their conversations. Mm -hmm. And so for the last few episodes, uh, I hope listeners, I definitely have, uh, have got, a. uh, an image and an idea of what you do and how the sessions of the coaches um, uh, go when the when you're working as a coach with them. But how does that look from the point of view of the manager? How how does coaching or what does coaching look like when it's uh, integrated from a manager's point of view? And you know that that's really useful to explore because sometimes we can have an image of these activities that's quite rarefied and, and special. And actually, what I try and um, reinforce with delegates on my coaching skills training is that actually I might not know your coaching if I saw you in the mm. workplace. You're having a conversation, and the distinction um, I make is between the big C and the small C coaching. It's a commonly used way of distinguishing this, but you know, big C might be what I do, a formal scheduled coaching session. Um, and it's really clearly delineated and I am the coach and the other person is the coachee. But small c coaching is you, you drop dipping in to the coaching toolkit as and when it's needed as part of the working day. And people talk about water cooler conversations all the time. You know, when, when um, employees meet each other, um, moving around an office, let's say. But those kinds of moments of conversation where a team member might have a, 
a question for a manager or a manager might observe some behavior and they want to give them some feedback. These little opportunities throughout the day, they're great jumping on points for trying these coaching skills. So it's not as obvious. It's not as clearly delineated. And indeed, the team member might not know they're being coached in inverted commas. Whereas when someone's with me, they they know they're being coached because mm-hmm. that's what it says in their calendar. So it's a useful distinction uh, to make. I mean, it, it, it can be a bit of a uh, false dichotomy when managers then sit down and have you know a coaching session, but it really helps to remind managers that they have many more opportunities each day to use these skills than they think they do. And I think that's the most difficult part is to integrate it into some of those conversations, especially if somebody comes to you with with an issue or a problem or a question <laughs> or some advice on how to do something, and you you want to turn that into a mini coaching conversation, but your instinct as a manager might be to solve that problem very quickly or go on to give advice. I think that's integrating it is the most difficult thing, isn't it? It can be really difficult because this is about um, in the moment, noticing it's an opportunity and in the moment deciding this is a good time to do this or no, it's not a good time. We're under lots of time pressure or we're in the middle of a crisis, (laughs) but you're, you're right. Going against the grain of behavior that might have been with them for decades. And instead of telling, asking, or instead of instructing, inviting opinions, or maybe um, taking a moment to to look at the um, antecedents and say, well, what happened before you decided to come to me? You know, um, So it is a different kind of a conversation and there are many opportunities, but they're not always obvious. And yes, it can be difficult for a manager to notice them, especially when for most people managers, they've got quite a lot on their plate already. And um, it's not like they're sitting around looking for these opportunities. They, they have quite a lot to do. So um, it's not like flicking a switch and suddenly I'm doing this. It's much more like over time introducing this so that everyone gets used to me asking questions and exploring topics over time rather than making a big disruptive change uh, overnight. But that first one you mentioned, that that is a, a big challenge for a lot of managers because they may see their role as a problem solver. You come to me with a problem, I'll give you an answer or together we'll solve the problem. Whereas what might be more useful in the longer term is to bat that back and get team members to think themselves about what they already know and what they can already do and reduce reliance on the manager. So that is one thing that can be difficult. What else, Richard? (laughs) You should ask the people on my courses. Um, These are the kinds of of things that the objections maybe or the challenges that the delegates will raise. I mean, one is actually... Noticing what hat I'm wearing at any given time as a manager. You know, what am I doing here? Am I doing performance management with this person? Am I mentoring them? Am I coaching them? Is this a social conversation? And so that really requires the manager to be uh, aware of the present moment, you know, to be paying attention to what's going on and, and not to hopefully interchange really quickly between a social conversation and an advice giving mentoring conversation or an exploratory coaching conversation. It can simply leave people a little bit confused and, and not knowing what they're going to get from their manager. So first of all, being able to be in the present moment and know, okay, what role am I adopting right now? Am I going to talk about 
you know, give some advice on how they could advance their career, or are we going to do something a little bit more like like coaching? And that that um, telling versus asking is, is is a really big thing for for not not all managers, obviously, um, but for many managers who are, who are used to doing lots of problem solving getting out of the automatic response thing. And again, that requires them to be aware that they're doing that, to notice in the moment that that's what the the kind of urge or the habit, the automatic response is. I think there's another one that comes up quite a bit, which is um, about not being uh, the benchmark for change or skill or behavior. So um, th- what I mean by that is for the manager not to assume Hey, just because I could do it, you should be able to do it too. And and it, it's very easy uh, for each of us as a coach to slip into using ourselves as an example. We want, I think we've touched on this before. We want to be really careful with use of self in coaching conversations, but for the manager especially, because they can leave their um, direct report with unrealistic expectations and maybe put them under unwarranted pressure. Maybe the manager is exceptionally skilled, or maybe time has moved on quite a bit since they did this thing or learned this skill, and it's no longer a valid comparison to make. So that that's a really important um, mental shift, thinking shift, I think, for, for a lot of managers. I mean, so far you can see them. I'm, I'm using management and managers in a very simple way, but you know, when you've got people responsibility, there's certain activities uh, that go with that and uh, certain elements of the manager identity that maybe sound like they're uh, in opposition to coaching. And, and all it is, I would argue, is uh, a sort of a pivot in the moment to say, actually, I'm going to take a different tool out of the toolkit here if that makes sense. Yeah, and uh, just on your on your last point about avoiding being that benchmark, I think it's also for me what what it says and having spoken to you about coaching, you need to separate almost yourself from that <laughs> from that conversation as in it's 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 really not about what you could do or or how you've done it or how easy it is for you, but it's really the focus is completely on the other person. So that also like you say, takes, I suppose it takes that moment of well, being in the moment to recognize that and go okay this is I'll take myself out of this conversation and that can be really difficult it can be super difficult um, especially I mean let's imagine the old I've got a question should I do option a or option b you know as a human being if option a is the obvious answer you know you'll say well just do a and now that problem is solved and I can move on to the next thing it requires someone to just have a bit of patience and take a moment to explore those options. And why did you only come to me with two options or which option do you think is the best one in this circumstance? Or it's a very different approach to ticking problems off the list. And to even notice that that is a possibility in the first place requires them to be paying attention and to take, as you say, take themselves out of it a little bit because what your team members do reflects on you. And whether or not you realize that you, you you want them to do well so that the team does well so that you do well. And if sometimes in coaching, we allow people to make some mistakes uh, to illustrate that, you know, that was an experiment and it didn't really work well for you, for a manager to do that, to allow people to make some mistakes or not choose the, the best of the best option, uh, requires them to be uh, objective and brave and just try something really different to what they've they've tried before and it can be um, a real challenge in that regard to to allow people that extra freedom to to try new things mm-hmm. and along that those lines as well how does 
how can the relationship that you have with that person uh, influence how you uh, how you integrate or not the coaching approach? You know, we're humans. I, I, I consistently say this. And one of the challenges that we can face in coaching full stop, being a manager, an external coach or, or anything else is personal liking. You know, we have rapport. Uh, managers have maybe longer standing relationships with their team members, and that can lead them to either spend more time coaching certain individuals, maybe avoid certain other individuals that they've kind of put in a, in a box in a sense. Maybe, oh, that person's high potential, that person isn't, or this person's just like me, they're a go-getter, or mm, that person, I've put them in the box of their hard work. You know, <laughs> they do enough, but you know, that's it. And so, to, to take a step back and say, well, actually, how can I unleash the potential in each of these people? It will require me maybe to use a different approach with each of them. And that requires work, you know, and that requires effort. But um, we, it's important to be honest with ourselves that we, we do treat people differently because we have uh, an affinity for some and a difference with, with others. Um, and, and the self-awareness to realize as well that some of the people will come with topics that we would love to discuss. And some of them will come with topics or challenges that we want to avoid at all costs if we can. When I'm training individuals, I, I make the distinction between hot and cold topics. And what I mean by that is a hot topic could be one where the manager runs the risk of turning into a trainer or a mentor because they're so excited that someone wants some support with this and it's their area of expertise. Whereas a cold topic could be something that they're sensitive to or they feel, I don't have skills in this area or I got burnt in the past doing this and I really don't want to go there again. So being honest with yourself and having the self-awareness that not all work is created equal and not all topics are equally exciting or accessible. And, and it's been a really useful thing for me over the years to reflect on my hot and cold topics when it comes to coaching. And I would say that's different to ability to deal with certain contexts or the desire to work in certain contexts. But I know that if someone mentions the word or the phrase work-life balance, <laughs> a little thing will go ping in my brain <laughs> and I, I'll have to work hard to just pause and let them keep going before I, I start going into, you know, solutions formulation. And that comes from an interest, a passion, but being a coach means that you can't say, all right, stop there. That's, have I got handouts for you? You know, mm. it, it doesn't really work that, that way if you're doing coaching um, well. Um, and I suppose I'd, I'd sum up the, the challenge for managers um, in, in one way, which is this general busyness, this general volume of work that needs to be done and disparate tasks and lots of context switching involved in people management. That means it, it can be difficult to give their full attention to someone at a given point in time. Now, as, as humans, we can spot when someone's not doing that, but it also means that you're not going to do your best coaching while you're multitasking while you're looking at your phone or you've got one eye on the monitor while someone's standing next to your desk or you're just giving off this vibe from your body language that you're desperate to go to the next meeting or the next call. So you're, part of this is dealing with the discomfort of knowing that while you focus and give your, um, your, your focus and prioritization to this person, you're not uh, giving your focus and your energy to five other things on your list. And that's uncomfortable. But as we've said before, if you're doing, if you're prioritizing properly, there will be an element uh, of discomfort. 
This is definitely, I think, if you want to start somewhere, <laughs> this being fully present for the other person is um, is so important. And also going back to your point on role modeling and how we can also role model so that even our team members can adopt sometimes a coaching mindset. I think role modeling, being completely present for the other person can be really powerful. I, I had a great conversation with someone a couple of months back who who fed back to me that one of the small changes they'd made was, you know, turning away from their computer um, in their chair when someone came to them to speak with them. Um, even though they said, look, I, I didn't look at my computer, but actually this signals to them, I'm not even tempted to look at the screen. You have my full attention. And that can make a big difference to the dynamic in that conversation. Yeah. And even if you're thinking of an online version of that as well, just making sure that the if you've got your video camera on, <laughs> that the, the focus stays with the person or that I think if you're distracted that you mentioned what the distraction was sometimes, because sometimes we can't avoid uh, our, our eyes moving even ever so subtly online and that it has such an effect when we see that at the other end. But sometimes I think mentioning why, why that's happened. It, um, yes, I think there's lots of things we can we can do to signal that someone's got our full attention, even when every now and then it wavers because it things does. happen. And we notice it, don't we? Yeah. And the video thing is, is um, I'm really sensitive to that at the moment. I've, I've been doing everything like everyone <laughs> over video for uh, the longest time now. And it is important to signal um, you have my attention, but also let other people know that you might be distracted and that's fine. And we can pause if we need to. And, you know, because it's not like um, a face to face where it would be, it would be considered rude if you turned away from me and opened your laptop during a yes. conversation, you know, so yeah. context, um, it's really important to, uh, to, to reflect that. Yeah. So, you know, I think you make an excellent point. It starts with being there in the moment and giving your attention to those moments and deciding with intention, mm. um, what approach you're going to take as a manager who coaches. Good. So we've um, we've covered a little bit what it might look like, and also the difficulties there might be in in assimilating, in a way, <laughs> the, this approach. So, from an organizational point of view, Richard, what is the advantage of having managers who can coach with a big C and a little C? Mm, well, we talked. Um now, I didn't double check this, so you might know this, but we talked quite some time ago about a coaching culture on one of the episodes. And I was a little bit cynical and a little bit cautious about our project is to create a coaching culture and really advised listeners to say, look, why don't we go on this journey step by step in small ways rather than making a promise that maybe we can't meet and we can't deliver. So when it comes to the organizational perspective, there's a few things, um, and I wouldn't say one of the advantages is a coaching culture. One of the advantages very clearly is a reduced reliance on external coaches who are going to be you know, more, more of a resource drain than internal experts. Um, it, it also represents um, a really solid plank of development for managers. And if you're on that journey towards adding coaching to being something meaningful and important in the organization, then it, it could become a standard skill for managers. You know, you, you won't become a manager or you won't get promoted until you've developed these skills. They are as important as these other things. These are the capabilities we want from our managers and our leaders. And it opens up 
individual and team performance. And it makes development, I would argue, it makes development something that happens daily and not a, when are we going on a training course or can I go and do this online learning? It's like, well, we're learning and we're developing every day that we have a conversation. And, And I think it democratizes coaching. Um, I've said it before that sometimes coaching is viewed as this rarefied special thing for executives, and I'm really passionate that it's not that. But if your managers are doing it throughout the organization, then that flies in the face of that. And I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And if we go back to all the things that we were, you were talking about, I mentioned of when it's difficult, things like being so in the moment and uh, having conversations about a topic maybe that you're not that interested in or that you're uncomfortable with. These are great things to learn to do anyway. These are great interpersonal uh, skills as well. I have to say yes. <laughs> I really agree. I mean, if we can learn how to bring our attention to the present moment, even when we're alone in the room, it's really helpful. And if we can listen to people, um, really listen to them so that we can understand them, that, that helps us in all kinds of contexts, way outside of coaching. And a feedback I've had from delegates over the years has been that they notice the difference it makes at home because they start to really listen to people at home, not just hear their voices and you know, might look at their phone while they're chatting with them. But if they practice this real listening, they notice a lot more and the other person notices that too. And that can deepen our relationships regardless of the domain that they're in. So yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, great. Well, Richard and listeners, the, we're wrapping up our uh, series on coaching. I've I've really enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed immersing ourselves, Richard, in in this topic. And of course, it's one that you, you that you love <laughs> so 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 much. I hope that's come across. <laughs> yes, I think it has, and I'm sure listeners will agree with us. Uh, but of course, I'm going to leave you to wrap up with what else do you wish to say to listeners. So I suppose one of the things that really influences or, or influenced my, my um, idea to, to have these um, episodes focusing on this was to help demystify uh, coaching a little bit, help um, maybe bust a few myths about it and unpack it a little bit so that it's uh, viewed as something that can be really helpful in terms of people development at work. But it's also not magical, nor is it a panacea. So coaching isn't appropriate for all challenges, all contexts, all people. Um, I think a really important point, and I thought, I did think carefully about how to say this, <laughs> and and then I thought, no, why bother? Um, I think the point is not all coaching is created equal. And what I mean by that is um, asking the, the question, does coaching work? I will always say is the same as asking, does medicine work? Yeah. Well, hold on, we need to get more specific. And so rather than saying coaching is good, we say, well, actually this coaching method or this coaching ethos or this coaching intervention for this kind of challenge or context gets good results. So when thinking about coaching, I would encourage all listeners, whether they're you know interested in developing these skills or they'd like to introduce it into their workplace or they themselves want to work with a coach, to think about the why, what is it that what is it we think we're going to achieve with this, and to try and avoid having coaching as something that's on our checklist of things that should be in the organization, um, because that that's not a great way to view it. Um, it's not like electricity and water <laughs> and Wi-Fi. Um, it can be really valuable, but maybe it's not the number one thing on your list when it comes to people development at work. So I'm 
I'm really excited that we're at episode 95. <laughs> <laughs> <Rah>. <laughs> Every few episodes, oh, look at the number, look at the number. And I'm, when I'm typing up the notes, I go, look at how high that number has, has gone. And, you know, I, I've said before, I wouldn't do this if it, if it wasn't fun and interesting. And if people weren't listening to it, you know, yes. to be honest, um, I, I'd probably be pouring the face off someone face to face talking about these <laughs> things, but people continue to listen and, and continue to give feedback and engage. So, We've only got five episodes left until the big 100. And um, what, what we've decided to do is to turn that um, in part, episode 100, into a Q&A episode. And I had mentioned send in your coaching questions. I would love to get your questions about coaching. That said, we'll have been at 100 episodes by that point. We've covered so many different topics. I'm going to open it up. Now, I don't know how this is going to work, but you know, <laughs> sending questions about anything we've talked about. Yeah. Um, because I think if, if you're a new listener and hello, and you started with episode four, just picking a random number and you've got questions about whatever it was that we were talking about, about back then, get in touch and I'll, I'll do my very best, um, to answer that. Now you can do that, um, by sending us a message on Twitter at my pocket psych. Uh, or you can send us something longer via the contact form on our website at worklifepsych.com slash contact, or drum roll, <laughs> you can send us a uh, voicemail message. So if you prefer not to type it, but you really want to share the sound of your voice, you can leave us a message, um, an audio message online. And I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. And you'll be able to just sit down, record something really brief, about 30 seconds. And um, by doing that, we'll play it on that episode. So all of our listeners will get to hear your question. The other thing I would add, because it's 100, and I know people have been doing this, I'd love to hear what you've done with what we've been talking about. Have you made any changes? Have you implemented this stuff? Have you been experimenting or has someone recommended something to you and it's been beneficial? I'd love to hear about that as well. So even if it's not a question, but it's something um, that describes some way you've implemented what you've learned on the podcast, that would be the icing on the cake for me. So whatever way you send it, um, send it in and we'd love to get it. Now, uh, and also a reminder that I'd love to continue this conversation online. Uh, we can do that over on the Work Life Psych community online at worklifepsych.club. We just a couple of hours ago hit 300 members and it's growing daily. We're getting new members all the time. So that's our free online community all about personal development. Uh, please come and join us there and ask your questions or share your comments about these topics that we cover here as well. It would be great to see you there. Pilar, the end of another episode, the end of another series, anything final to throw into the mix before we wrap up? No, thank you, Richard, for, for all the reflections and, and yeah, all your thoughts on coaching. And thank you, listeners, for still being with us, especially if you've been with us for 95 episodes. If you have, I want to hear from you. Yes, please. <laughs> that Are would you be there? lovely. <laughs> Are you still there? Okay, yes. well, listen, that's episode 95. Look forward to uh, hearing from you, all your questions and comments as ever. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com/contact. Thanks for listening. <laughs>